What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Welcome to the NBA Strategy Show, Friday, January 8th. Crazy, crazy day yesterday. 10-game slate and a lot of weird stuff going on today. I'm not really excited at all for 6 p.m. tonight. That final hour might be ridiculous. I am Josh Engelman. I am joined by Greg Ehrenberg. We are here to break it all down. So, Greg, how did yesterday end up, and how are you today? So I'm almost positive yesterday is the worst NBA slate I will ever have in my entire life. It couldn't have gone worse. There was no way it could have gone worse for me. Number one, I had a ton of money invested in the Sixers, which was still a good bet, right? Because there was no Kyrie Irving. The line moved from Sixers minus one to minus minus five by the time lock happened. But here's the deal. They weren't, it's not like they were a lock to win the game. They went from like a 50-50 proposition, the odds I had them at, to they had like a 65% chance of winning the game, which still means there's a 35% chance I'm going to lose. Now, that would have been bad enough in itself because if they if they didn't win, I was having a bad night no matter what. But then I also bet on the Grizzlies after Colin Sexton got rolled out. I realized shortly after lock that I uploaded the wrong CSV before the slate. So we're doing – because there was so much news yesterday and we were changing so much. I just clicked on the wrong one when we went to upload to FanDuel. Uh, and then one more thing, just, the, just the, the cherry on top of it all. So Colin Sexton gets rolled out, which not only makes me bet on the Grizzlies, also means I have to swap my lineups. So I swaptimize everything. My internet crashes two minutes before the game starts, which means I can't upload all of them. So everything was a, just a total crap fest. It could not have gone worse for me. Yeah. But it was so bad that I just kind of looked back and laughed at it. Like, I think a lot of people think about the mindset of, and people have asked me before, how do you play like DFS full time? And how does that deal with, how does that affect you mentally? it's so inevitable that it's going to go poorly sometimes, right? Yeah. I've been doing this for like six years now and you're going to take your lumps around, along the way, but it's so inevitable that when you get into it, you can't just have this mindset of like, Oh, when I lose, it's going to suck because it's absolutely going to happen. 
and it went so badly for me on so many levels yesterday that I just looked back. I was like, well, that sucked. That's kind of funny. Let's, let's move on to tomorrow. Yeah. I woke up and started scrolling through some box scores. I was like, well, uh, when I open this FanDuel app, it's, there's no chance that this looks good <laughs> unless one of them broke free. And, uh, sure enough, it did not break free. Uh, ben Simmons destroyed me. That game was just absolutely ridiculous. I didn't have much Colin Sexton when the news broke. So I ran up quickly. I knew that I didn't have enough time to fully update projections and run late swaptimizer. So I immediately just pulled out every share I had of Sexton, turned it into Damian Dotson, which turned out to be a fantastic move. Didn't have nearly enough Chetty at that point either. Not that it was like a huge deal, but I would have liked to have more. And then after that, I went back and like redistributed all of the additional salary that I had in those lineups. I don't know why I'm mentioning it because it didn't matter at all. It's not like that that carried me to victory. Ben Simmons just absolute utter destruction. Uh, it wasn't wasn't great. wasn't great. No, it was, but we, no, it, was no. it was not the best. It was not the best. And then obviously, uh, we we had talked about on live before lock. I went with the idea of removing Anthony Davis from my player pool. Um, everybody was ruled in. Uh, my other suggestion was for everyone to go and bet on the Lakers if you thought that they were all going to play. Sure enough, line moved, you know, multiple points, and they got beat by the Spurs. So <laughs> nothing mattered yesterday. Life was just awful. 230-something people in here, 39 likes. Guys, hit that thumbs up. Uh, we have 52 minutes to get through 10 games. Are you ready? As ready as I'll ever be. Okay. The Phoenix Suns at the Detroit Pistons. Pistons, six and a half point underdogs, 217 total for the Pistons. Best I could tell in this game, everything is kind of normal. The Suns are healthy. The Pistons are healthy. I mean, Killian Hayes is done now. But other than that, I think everything's good. Josh Jackson is probable. We'll start on the Phoenix side. Chris Paul, Jay Crowder, just north of 10% ownership on FanDuel. Chris Paul, 16% owned on DraftKings. Those are the only guys on Phoenix that are projected north of 10. I don't see anybody in this game that I'm super excited to get to. Uh, You know, clearly like Booker, Aiton, Bridges, Paul, those are guys you work into your lineups, but nobody stands out as a fantastic play. And I'd make the case that I think Chris Paul is a little over-owned, but otherwise Phoenix leaves me feeling pretty meh. How are you on the Suns? Yeah, and the other thing, too, is, I mean, this is going to be a slate where, I mean, we have to see what happens with the Nets situation, too. That's going to hold so much impact on the slate, but there's so much value on the Nets with Kyrie Irving likely to be out again that it kind of makes it hard to have interest in the fringe plays elsewhere on the slate. So for the Suns, the other thing with Booker and Chris Paul, both of them producing less from a fantasy perspective than they were last year. They're cutting into each other's usage. Both of them are spending less time on the ball just because both of them are such ball-dominant players, and it's they're really cannibalizing each other's production. Uh, so that's going to keep me away from them until we see some sort of crazy price drop on either of them. I, I can't imagine I'm going to have much exposure to the Suns, uh, and then that's going to be the case for a lot of a lot of these games on the slate. Anyways, there's a lot of fringe plays I'm not going to be interested in unless we find out that Nets game gets canceled. Yeah, the, the ownership that's coming into this game just feels like it's really easy to get away from and find other versions of you know forty four hundred dollar small forwards or power forwards or whatever. And it's Chris Paul, and he's like properly priced. I don't see anything here. If I get to some Devin Booker, great. But this is not a spot that's going to have a lot of my ownership. Uh, the Pistons. Uh, I don't even want to talk about this. It's so bad. All right. So I, on the Pistons. I like Blake Griffin tonight. Yeah. Uh, so does the public. 20% owned on FanDuel where he's 5,500. 
Okay. Uh, no one on the Pistons is in double digits on the DraftKings side. And I think like most of these guys are all like, you know, eight to 12% type guys, Jeremy Grant, Blake Griffin, Josh Jackson, Mason Plumlee, like they, you know, they're lineup filler. They're not lineup guarantees, but we need to talk about Blake 5,500 on FanDuel. I think that ownership looks spot on. I mean, he's playing the minutes when he's out there. He's clearly not the same guy, but you know, 30, 30 to 32 minutes at a one to 1.05 fantasy point per minute type guy. I mean, you kind of have to look at Blake Griffin. He's a solid value. You going to Blake? Yeah, I'm going to have him in my player pool tonight on FanDuel. DraftKings, not quite as interested, but I'm sure I'll have him somewhere around you know, like 10% or something like that. It's just he's so cheap for a player of his caliber. And the minutes haven't always been there for him, but he's also, I mean, he always gets hurt, but he's been hurt at times this year. He dealt with a concussion. Uh, they've been resting on back-to-backs. Another thing also is that the Pistons just get their faces kicked in a lot of slates. <laughs> so they lose by double digits almost every game, which is one of the other reasons that we see Blake Griffin's minutes limited at times. Uh, that's always going to be something that could happen, but the line in the spot is seven points. Phoenix is favored by Detroit is home. So I don't think the most likely outcome is that the Pistons just lose by 20 points. Uh, I mean, they have played games against the Bucs where they were, they were like 15-point underdogs, and they kept those you know, relatively close. So they're probably going to get blown out more than any other team in the league, but I'm not just going to build my lineups assuming that's the case every time. So like you said, Blake Griffin at his price point, he's going to be my player pool and, and probably about properly owned on FanDuel. Yeah, uh, the, the tricky part with FanDuel today at Power Forward, that little range of salary is kind of loaded with solid plays. Draymond Green is 5,100. Brandon Clark is 5,100. Serge Ibaka, 5,300. And then you get Blake at 55. I think all four of those guys look really solid given where their minutes are going. Draymond played 30 his last time out. So when it all when push comes to shove, uh, Suns Pistons does not look like it's going to have a lot of exposure for me. I think Blake is the clear best play on FanDuel. I do kind of like Josh Jackson a little bit. Uh, ownership didn't get into double digits. He's 5,100. So uh, it's not that I'm enamored with him, but just a guy that I'll have my eye on at least a little bit. And if Jeremy, well, Jeremy Grant's 7,800. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I mean the, if he keeps being like a 26% usage guy, I get it, but 7,800 is just too much. Anyway, we've spent too much time on Suns and uh, Pistons. So moving it on. All righty. Buckle up for this one, everybody. The Washington Wizards at the Boston Celtics. The line right now is Celtics minus five and a half with a 234 total. I think that is going to move. I don't expect Russell Westbrook to play in this game. He dislocated his finger in his previous game. Um, Apparently still in a little bit of pain. And they are on a back-to-back. Russell Westbrook, generally speaking, is going to sit out one part of a back-to-back. It seems logical to me that he would set out this piece take an extra day to try to heal up. So I've actually pulled Russell Westbrook from my projections for right now. That's not all we've got in this game. However, Uh, Boston has multiple guys on the, like, I don't want to say the COVID list. I don't know the proper name for it. Do you have health health protocol list? Yes. Thank you. So (laughs) Robert Williams, Grant Williams, Tristan Thompson. And I believe there's a fourth. That's a little bit less important, but basically like all of the legitimate centers not available, potentially not available for the Celtics. I've pulled all of them from projections today. I'm going with the expectation that they are not playing, at least as of right now. So let's start here. What are your thoughts on the Russell Westbrook situation? What are your thoughts on the Boston situation? Yeah, so I didn't take him out yet. He's listed as questionable right now. But to your point also, if you're going to have him sit in back-to-back situations, by the way, before the season, Scott Brooks said that he doesn't anticipate Russell Westbrook playing in any back-to-backs this year. If that's going to be the case, 
why would you play him today and then not play him tomorrow when it figures that his finger will be a little bit more healed for tomorrow? So I think it does make more sense that he's probably more likely to sit than play, but we've seen teams make weird decisions. So who knows? I'm I'm not totally confident that he's going to be out, but if he is out, then we have Bradley Beal coming off of a 60-point game, and he's going to pick up a ton of usage. I mean, as is he had a 47% usage rating with Russell Westbrook a little bit banged up last game. We saw him last year. He was terrific when he was the primary focal point of the offense. Now, with that said, he's been priced up because he just scored a million points last game. So it's not like we're getting Bradley Beal at the like 8,000 salary that he opened the season at. So while he's going to be somebody I want to get exposure to, this isn't somebody who's going to be in like 60% of my lineups or anything like that because he, he's been priced up already. Okay. Uh, I like him a lot. But I, I agree that he's not like a massive owned. I mean, when you're 10, one and 9,700, like you should have some of him uh, because he's going to dominate the ball, have like close to 40% usage. I like the idea of it all, but it's not like you could just go crazy at that price tag on the Boston side. You go in the same scenario. You are assuming that all of these guys are not going to be playing today. Yeah, I think, I think that's the right way to approach it. So I, I like Daniel Tice a lot from the Boston side. I think that, uh, Jason Tatum also makes a lot of sense. He's probably going to get increased uh, rebound rate, just assuming there's going to be a lot of big men that are out there. So those are the two guys that I'm really focusing in on. Points per dollar, it's Daniel Tice is the best play from the Celtic side. Yeah, uh, love Tice, love Tatum, love Brown, love Smart. Those four guys are going to be core options for me. They show up in optimals a ton. Uh, ownership might be high on a lot of these guys. We shall see. They're all, a couple of them are in the 20s. Tice not there yet. Uh, I just don't think that... We have that enough information, but those four guys look incredible. So let's say this, if those guys end up out, do you like anybody outside of that core four from Boston? Not really. Uh, Cause also this is a, this is a situation where I think it's going to be hard to figure out what some of the peripheral minutes are going to be for Boston guys where it's, and, and also they're not all that cheap anymore either. Certain guys like Peyton Pritchard. And I don't even like what, what end of the bench Celtics guy at this point do you even think is going to get a significant amount of minutes? Cause I don't even know what to make of that. Like who's, who's the next big man up that you, that you'd feel comfortable playing decent minutes. Like I think Daniel Tice is just going to play as many minutes as he can handle. Yeah. I, I mean, I gave taco fall a few minutes, but he's not like, that's not a good spot for him ever. Yeah. Um, like it's just going to end poorly usually. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and just skip that one. Yeah, I, so like I, I didn't have anybody grayed out well at all. Semi for thirty two hundred on DraftKings, I think, is mildly viable given that price tag. But I'm not going to sit here and advocate aggressively for a guy that scores like point six fantasy points per minute. Yeah, I'm going to bring this up really quick. What he did last year, I remember it was extremely poor. Uh, at least his FanDuel stats last year. So yeah, he played sixteen minutes per game last year and scored under ten fantasy points per game. Like, he's a very bad fantasy producer. So. I mean, even considering that at last year's rates, you could give him over 30 minutes and you'd expect him to score like 15 fantasy points. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I gave him 20. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, 
I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Six, and I projected him for 18, and he still looks like a not all that interesting fantasy performer. Let's flip it back over to the Wizards. If Russell Westbrook is out, Howell Neto is going to become a value. 4,200 on FanDuel. 3,900 on DraftKings. I certainly like that and we will be going to it. A little bit of Thomas Bryant seems fine. Uh, I like him a little bit more on FanDuel at 6,400 than I do on DK at 7K. Anything else from the Wizards? No, it would have to mostly be Neto and Bryant. Uh, Ish Smith was somebody who early in the year, I thought that he could play a lot of the minutes when Russell Westbrook, the first game we saw Russell Westbrook sit. But it just was the, it was just Howell Neto who played the majority of the minutes. Neto has played in his starts. Um, bringing up the numbers right now he played 32 minutes in the first start the second start he actually only ended up playing 22 minutes but that was also a game they end up winning by 21 so I think it's reasonable to think that the minute the minutes from his first game where that was competitive probably makes more sense where it's something like 32 minutes for Neto and 16 minutes for Ish Smith I think that's a, a reasonable split without Russell Westbrook so th- that really makes Neto the stronger play there and Ish Smith somebody who I'm, I'm not really considering I tried to be a little pessimistic too. I gave Neto 28 minutes and he still looked really good. I didn't want it to just be insane while I was taking out (laughs) Westbrook on like just on, you know, even though he's not officially out yet. All right, let's keep this one moving. The Charlotte Hornets at the New Orleans Pelicans, Pelicans six and a half point favorites two eighteen total. Looks like it's business as usual on the Hornets side for the Pelicans. JJ Redick is questionable. Uh, did not practice yesterday. I took him out. I'm expecting him to not be in and it's JJ Redick. So it's not a huge deal. Increased minutes for Nikhil Alexander Walker firmed up minutes for Josh Hart. Nothing too crazy. Uh, I assume that they give some minutes to like Thornwell or uh, Lewis or something along those lines. Let's start on the Charlotte side, the highest owned guy, whether it's FanDuel or DraftKings, is LaMelo Ball on DK 7% owned. I don't really see anybody that I want to get to with any sort of regularity, but if like Terry Rozier on DraftKings is 1% owned, I like him in larger field GPPs. PJ Washington, I like a little bit in larger field GPPs. How do you feel about the Hornets? Yeah, no real interest here for me in a significant way. If LaMelo Ball starts, which is going to happen eventually, he's he's been their best player. And generally, the Hornets are getting their asses kicked. And then LaMelo Ball comes in. It's like, oh, they got the game closer again. And then LaMelo Ball comes out and they start getting their asses kicked again. At a certain point, they're going to figure this out. And they're just going to say, we need to start LaMelo Ball and play him more. He's easily been the best rookie in this draft class so far. Uh, basically, it's been the the just the nut high outcome for him. It, it looks Is that not the right phrasing? Easy or the easy best rookie so far? I don't agree with that at all. You don't? Who would you give it to? Halliburton. No, because Halliburton's playing limited minutes. He doesn't have the same role. He doesn't have the ball in his hands as much. He's also missed games. It's It's been LaMelo ball for, for me. Um, Halliburton's I mean, averaging 28 minutes a game. That's more than LaMelo ball. Yeah, but it's... All right, so I'm just going to say... missed correct. two I'm games. Say, I'm get, yeah, but it's t- two games out of, what, seven or six? Sure, but he's he's not playing limited minutes. All right, fair enough. I mean, I'm just going to take the L on that because there's no real (laughs) counterpoint I can make to that. But when Lamelo Ball, I don't want it to seem like I don't think that he's been good. I I think he's been significantly better than I thought he was. But I think Halliburton contributes to winning basketball more than Lamelo Ball right now. Yeah, well, there's no way to contribute to winning basketball when he played for the Charlotte Hornets and some of the guys who who are around him. Uh, Halliburton's also going to have to play a pretty significant role now that De'Aaron Fox. We'll talk about later. I assume De'Aaron Fox is going to be out tonight. Um, 
But anyway, the more important point, I don't like LaMelo Ball in this spot unless he's starting, just because the price has gotten up. I thought that he was a good upside play when he was coming off the bench and was like 5,300 a few games ago. But now that his price has gone up and he still kind of has a role coming off the bench, it's hard for me to trust him. One thing I wanted to point out for this game, and I don't know how much we should read into it, Bismack Diombo did not close their last game. P.J. Washington closed at the five. I think that's important from a Biombo minutes perspective. I see him at, you know, around 30 in a lot of places, maybe 28. If he's not closing, he's not playing that many minutes, and P.J. Washington should probably be at, like, 32 or so. I don't know if that's going to be the, what, the way that they're looking to do this moving forward. Um, Steven Adams at the five for the Pelicans. I don't know if that's a good, like if you want PJ Washington pulling him out, but just something to keep in mind. I don't know. I don't have any other like additional information for it. Just that it happened. Washington played a bunch of minutes last year and he was, you know, he was reasonably good, uh, but it's not like he was a, it's not like he was a guy who was priced at like 6,500 or anything like that. And he was pretty regularly playing like 35 minutes in games last year that Cody Zeller was out. If you look at him down the stretch of last season, um he played where was it? yeah so down the stretch he, he had games he was playing 35 32 33 36 minutes so the playing time was there for him but he was still a guy who was priced in like the mid to high 5k range so with that in mind since pj washington's price has gone up from the 5,000 price tag and that the pelicans actually have a legitimately good defense this year i kind of just view pj washington as about fairly priced okay on the pelican side Zion, 20% owned on FanDuel, 11% owned on DK. Brandon Ingram, 18% owned on both sites. Uh, I think both of those guys are probably over-owned for the spot. I don't think it's a great fantasy matchup. Um, 218 total, uh, ultra low. I like Zion. I like Brandon Ingram. I don't get the sense that I want these guys today with any sort of regularity. Do you like the Pelicans more than I do? So I haven't rostered Brandon Ingram uh, enough this year, just in general. I I still have this idea in my mind that he's going to have to lose out some usage to Zion at some point. Maybe I just have to change my train of thought on that because it hasn't happened at this point. I keep saying it's going to happen, and then it just doesn't happen. Uh, He's also popular again today, and the price is pretty significant. He is at 8,800 on FanDuel and right around the 8,000 mark on DraftKings. I would still rather play Zion if I'm rostering one of them, especially consider the slightly lower ownership. And I have to think that going forward and towards the end of the season, Zion is going to be the better point per minute fantasy producer and is going to be the higher priced player of the two. It's just been some inconsistencies for Zion so far this year. Uh, the 20% ownership on FanDuel, that's a little harder to look at. But at 11% on DraftKings, I'm, I, I like him a lot more at that, at that price point and, and that ownership. I like him more on FanDuel, but if the public is already there, like I think it's just easier to get to on DK. But I don't, I don't really want to get anything here. And maybe Lonzo in the battle of the balls, but other than that, it's, this is just not a good DFS spot. Are they just going to give Lamelo more minutes because he's playing against Lonzo? Is that something that's going to happen? Is that like a dumb narrative that will matter for just a bad team? Uh, depends on if they think that LaMelo is better than Lonzo in a way. Like if they have any idea that Lonzo just completely wrecks his brother generally, or is like in his head, then probably not. Who do you think thinks is like, do you, do you think that LaMelo thinks he's better than Lonzo? I think LaMelo thinks he's better than everybody. So yes. Like I I think he, he might think he's the best player in the NBA right now. That's fair. That's uh. 
good luck. It, look, that could work for you. You could end up that could end up taking you to the top, or that could end up making you Dion Waiters. You know what's funny is I was when you said that I was about I had loaded. I was going to say, or that can make you somebody who who eats an edible and overdoses on a plane ride, and then you pulled out <laughs> Dion Waiters. So we were we were definitely on the same wavelength there. Great minds, great minds. Final game in the seven to seven thirty window: Oklahoma City at the New York Knicks. The Knicks, three-point favorites at home, which is incredible. 208 implied total, which is also incredible. Uh, No one on FanDuel for the Thunder north of 7% ownership. That would be Al Horford. Uh, I will be once again getting to Shea at 7,900. George Hill, 13% owned at 4,800 on DraftKings. That is not something that I'm all that interested in. Uh, Probably just get to more Shea, but I don't really want much from Oklahoma City so talk to me about the Thunder yeah it's really hard to like this spot when the total is so low and the Knicks have been kind of decent so far this year uh their defense has been good they're a competitive team it's not like this is some walkover team really the the main concern here though is the total as for George Hill he's picked up ownership on a few slates and it's hard for me to get behind him I understand that he's had a few big games this year but look at his playing time He's played more than 25 minutes twice the entire season. He's never played over 30. He generally has pretty low usage. And it's just hard for me to expect that he's going to have games. Like, so one of the games, uh, his biggest fantasy game of the season came against the Hornets. He played 24 minutes. He had a 19% usage rating. He shot eight of nine from the field. So it's just, it's just whenever I've, I've looked at George Hill's box scores and I see like, oh, he had a big game here. There's always something fluky about it. And the fact that he's not playing very many minutes, he is low usage. And then this is also a low total spot. I don't think this is a good spot to roster George Hill. Yeah, we're exactly on the same page there. All right, let's move it over to the Knicks. I gave Randall 38 minutes. I gave RJ Barrett 38 minutes. I feel like I should give them 48 minutes. I don't know what to do with these guys anymore. It's driving me insane. Um, We've got Randall double digits in ownership on FanDuel, Barrett, same. Elford Payton at 5,500, projected for 37% ownership. That feels a tad high, although I get it. Again, monster minutes. They shorten the rotation up even more uh, over the past two games. Uh, On the DK side, it's kind of flatter. RJ Barrett, Elford Payton, Austin Rivers, all at 10%. Julius Randle at 6% because he's 9,800 on DraftKings now. Oh, my God. How are you managing the Knicks today? Very different discussion on FanDuel and DraftKings, I think. DraftKings, it's, I think the prices are generally fair to too high. Like, it's, it's, it's very hard for me to look at Julius Randle. It's like, I want to roster him at 9,800. I get that he's you know, playing a, a ton of minutes, and he's, his production is ridiculous right now. Per minute. I mean, he's the primary facilitator for the Knicks, too. Like, he, he has triple doubles, uh, at least one triple double. And it, it's just the 9,800. I maybe this is just a bias. Uh, like I, even, even if I had Randall projected for like 50 fantasy points in this spot, I would still look and just be like, all right, there's something wrong. I can't have, I can't expect Julius Randall to score that many points. And the pace of play is going to be an issue for me here as well. Uh, FanDuel is a different story. FanDuel. I think that Randall and Barrett are both good plays. Uh, Barrett has just not been priced up enough on FanDuel for yeah. number one, just a, a position that's generally hard to fill at small forward and the role there. So as poorly as he shot this season, he still had a bunch of good fantasy games. I mean, look at his last handful of games, 33, 27, 26, 34, 53, 26. The floor is very high for him at a 6,500 price tag. He's playing so many minutes that even when he can't make any shots, which literally happens some games, there are games where he goes like two of 15 from the field and goes, Oh, of eight for three. He's still scoring like 26 fantasy points in those games, just because of the playing time he's getting. So at 6,500, it's, it's hard for me to get away from him on FanDuel. 
Yeah, he makes a ton of sense uh, for the position. Uh, the problem is, I think that there's just a lot going on at the point guard spot. Like, I like him at 5,500. Do I like Cole Anthony more at 5K? Probably. Do I like... And you're talking about Alfred Payton now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do I like Marcus Smart better at 5,900 if all those guys are out? Yeah, probably. Do I like Kobe White more at 6,600? maybe depending on the ownership, if Alfred Payton is going to be so heavily owned and that's, we're not even talking about like if Curry plays at the top in 9,700, where we get the rest of our exposure, but I'm very intrigued by what I want to do with Alfred Payton. That, that one's the scariest spot for me. If that ownership stays where it is. He's very hard to predict them to predict uh, minutes for also, because yeah. while we've seen guys like, you know, Randall and Barrett consistently play big minutes the last four games for Alfred Payton, 23 minutes, 34, 28, 42. So he is not one of the guys who's getting the, the normal Tibbs bump where he's just playing 40 minutes every night. We did see it last game, and it happens at times. But still, Emmanuel quickly is in the mix now. We have Austin Rivers in the mix. There's other guys that he could give minutes to, and we've seen that happen at times. But there's also – so it's weird because he could play 40 minutes. He could play 28 in this game, and it's really hard to know. There's a lot of variance there. Um, so I, I, th- I mean, Alfred Payton's also clearly a slate breaker for his price on FanDuel. I feel like the way that I'm going to go about it is just probably be around or a little bit under his ownership, just because I don't want it to be a situation where just Alfred Payton breaks the slate. If he, it continues to be mid thirties, closer to lock, he'll be one of my biggest fades. There's just going to be too much out there today. Yeah. But we shall, we I, I shall think, see. I think that's reasonable. i I'm going to have him projected well, so it's hard for me to get away from somebody in that situation. I'm I'm, I'm more apt to just go around even to the field. Fair enough. Guys, promo time. Uh, If you're looking to get some awesomeo.com premium stuff, use the promo code 2021. Get yourself 20 days of Awesomeo Plus for $21. That's projections, ownership, boom boss tool, lineup builder, and tons more. 2021. That is the promo code that you enter 20 days for $21 or the one that I think you guys should do use the promo code happy H A P P Y. You can get 20% off an awesome. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Plus yearly package. So if you get it today, you'll have it until January 8th of 2022. And then you get to hang out with us. Uh, you get premium Slack, all that same good stuff that I just mentioned. You can hang out for a full year. I think it's the best deal. We don't run deals on our yearly passes all that often. I think that you guys should go check it out. Or let's say you don't want to make that outlay and you want to see like, maybe I could just get lucky. 
you're in luck. Head to at awesome underscore com. That's our Twitter account. And follow the instructions on the tweet. Predict whether Steph Curry or Kawhi Leonard scores more points tonight. Might want to wait a little bit just in case Steph doesn't play because Kawhi is going to become a very obvious answer at that point. One random winner gets a chance at a free month of awesome O plus. So maybe you could just do that. Try to guess the right score. Uh, randomly will be picked. So if you pick Steph and it's Kawhi, you don't have a chance. So make sure you're paying attention to the news later, but check out that pin tweet at awesome underscore com. Six more games to go next up. The Orlando Magic at the Houston Rockets. Rockets six-point favorites, 226 total. And the big news in this one, uh, Orlando will be without Markel Fultz. Torn ACL, going to be done for a year. Kind of a bummer, but at the very least, they do have Cole Anthony stepping, most likely stepping directly into that point guard spot. Anthony is 5K on FanDuel, 5K on DraftKings, and you know, probably the best value play on the slate as of right now. Um, do you have anything that you want to add to Cole Anthony today? Yeah. So we also have uh, Michael Carter Williams is out. Evan Fournier uh, yes. is questionable. So that's something else that makes it to where I was looking at the, the ownership for, uh, for Cole Anthony for the slate. And I was kind of thinking in terms of, do I want to be overweight to the field? Do I want to be at the field? Cause he's the best value play on the slate. And when I look at some of the injuries that the Magic are dealing with, it's hard to not expect that he just plays a ton of minutes because this was already a team that was kind of thin in the backcourt. And now they've gotten rid of Markel Fultz. There is – well, not gotten rid of him. He's hurt. <laughs> Michael Carter-Williams is, is hurt. Evan Fournier is questionable. Even if he plays, who knows how healthy he's going to be because he's missed a, a couple of games now. Yeah. So Cole Anthony could just play a ridiculous amount of minutes in this spot. I think it's good chalk. I'm going to be overweight to it. Yeah, uh, very good chalk. A cash game no-brainer on both sides. Uh, I put Evan Fournier in for now just because I didn't want to try to hash that out uh, yet. Otherwise, I would be giving Jordan Bone and some other guys on this team like way more minutes than I should be. Um, but yeah, Cole Anthony, no-brainer value. Vooch picking up some love, though. 17.7% owned on FanDuel, 8,800. Look, I like Vooch. I'm a little surprised to see him picking up that much ownership. Are you interested in Vooch today? So there's two things here, um, and it, this is going to transition us to the other side of the game also. Christian Wood is questionable to play. If yeah. he's out, to Marcus Cousins, who was fantastic offensively in his last game, he has nothing left on defense at this point in his career. His, he's torn his Achilles. He's torn his ACL. He, he moves like he's just stuck in concrete. He is not going to be able to defend Nikola Vucevic in space if he's matched up against him for the majority of the game. So I think that Vucevic at his ownership is probably about a fair play, but I'm going to like him more if Christian Wood's out. And then we just see a lot of DeMarcus Cousins guarding him. Do you think Cousins guards Vooch in this scenario? I mean, if, if Christian Wood is out, I don't know who else would, uh, unless they're just going to go with like PJ Tucker at center or something like that. That would, uh, but- that would be my assumption. Well, not, not even necessarily PJ Tucker at center, but you hide Cousins on whatever other garbage is out there, you know, Kem Birch or something in those along those lines. I mean, he's, he's guarding Aaron Gordon in his starting lineup. If that's the case, that's not going, that's mm-hmm. going even worse. Yeah. I, I understand the Vooch love. He's the most expensive center on FanDuel today. That's also though, it's kind of relative because he's still in the 8,800. So I, I think there's a case to be made that even though he's the most expensive center on FanDuel, he's still not expensive enough. He closed last year priced at 9,000. Uh, he's the reason he's the most expensive is just because we don't have the other normal, you know, stud big men on the slate. There's no Embiid tonight. There's no Jokic. So, I mean, that's the real reason why he's the most expensive. If Fournier is out, 
Uh, keep your eye on Dwayne Bacon, 3,900 on DraftKings, uh, 3,900 on FanDuel. But on DraftKings in particular, that's another like sub 4K option you can get to. Um, you know, like Terrence Ross and Aaron Gordon will look a little bit better. Uh, again, I have Fournier in. So I don't have much interest in Orlando outside of Cole Anthony. Uh, Vooch would be the guy, but it looks like the ownership is just already there. So I don't have like a hot take for it. That makes sense. On the Houston side, the highest owned guy on FanDuel right now is John Wall at 3.5%. He is 7% on DraftKings. That is also the high. Um, I would like to roster some Houston. Not that I think that they're fantastic plays, but if they are fully unowned against an Orlando team that is in utter shambles, like I feel like James Harden is just going to cook these dudes. Am I crazy here? Like, Should they be getting more? Should there be more eyes on Houston just given this matchup? I here's the issue with James Harden though. So let, let's talk about in the situation where Christian Wood is out and DeMarcus Cousins starts, you then have a starting lineup with John Wall, James Harden, DeMarcus Cousins. The usage is just ridiculous between those three guys. So if we look at what's happened with James Harden the last two games, his usage rating is 28% and 22%. We yeah. never see Harden with that low of usage, but the issue is there's just only one ball to go around. And now he's playing with all these really high usage guys. This is going to crush his production. And if you look at him on Fandle, he's 11400 So he's still really expensive. His price hasn't gone down at all for this situation. On DraftKings, he is at, uh, let's see, he is at 11000 So he's, he's the most expensive player on both sites. And he should have gotten a price decrease, but he, he just hasn't on either site. So that's the issue I have. I, I'm not going to have him projected well per dollar at all. And I have to project him even weaker if Christian Wood is out and DeMarcus Cousins starts just because that's another really high usage guy that he has to compete with for shots. This game is going to be wacky. It's like if Christian Wood plays 7,900, is he, is he like a really good play on DraftKings today? So on DraftKings, I wouldn't say really good play, but I say that he's viable. I'm also a little concerned with him coming back from injury and Cousins playing relatively well offensively last game are they just going to give christian wood 36 minutes or coming back from injury they're just going to split his minutes with demarcus cousins that's a concern for me also um i hope that he's just out and then we can roster demarcus cousins again demarcus cousins is ridiculously cheap yeah 5100 on DraftKings, 5300 on fandle uh, will definitely become a value option if wood gets ruled out look i'm going to have shares of harden and wall wood if he's in uh cousins if he's not just because this Orlando team is not set up to capably worry about uh, the Rockets. I don't know where it's going to go yet, whether it's Harden or Wall, but I think I have to get there at least a little bit if these guys are unowned. Yeah, I mean, I could could see the reason for just look at the ownership, but it's, for me, just the, the, the usage distribution is too big of an issue and that the prices haven't gone down. So uh, the the big thing for me is that I don't know if the prices are going to matter all that much if we have so much value. I might be happy to unlock 10% of James Harden on FanDuel if he's 3% owned. And like, it's not a chore for me to get there because there's 25 guys that are 5K or less. That'll be the key piece for me. And then we get to Brooklyn. The Brooklyn Nets at the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, Kyrie Irving going to be sitting this one out again because uh, I guess he just doesn't want to play per sources, which is... Which, by the way, is, is Scoop, Scoop B on Twitter, which he's gotten zero. His, his name might be Scoop, but he's gotten zero scoops right in the, in the the six years of things that I've seen gotten like retweeted on my timeline from. He's, he's never gotten a single story right, so I don't take him seriously at all. 
Uh, I don't, it's not that I take him seriously, but like, I don't understand how there's not actual information about Kyrie Irving missing the both of these games for reasons that don't seem to exist. Certainly yeah. not injury or COVID. No, I mean, it could have been a death in the family or something like that, though, and he just doesn't want to reveal that publicly. I, I don't know. Here's the other thing with Kyrie, too. He is never going to get a fair shake from the media, and a lot of it is his fault, too, because he wasn't happy with how he's been handled in the past by the, by the media, and he feels like he's been quoted, taken out of context, which happens to players all the time. But he took it so personally to the point where he says, well, you know what? I'm never going to talk to the media again, which is not going to improve your standing with the media at all. So now anything that happens with Kyrie Irving, number one, fans don't like him. So anytime that a, that a reporter just puts out some sort of sensational headline, people are going to retweet it like crazy and make all the jokes they want. So that's going to be something that's always going to get a lot of clicks. And now you've got that Kyrie Irving is in, is in bad standing with the media because he says he won't talk to them. So now they're more inclined to put out sensationalist headlines about Kyrie Irving. So he's just going to get treated like this forever now. So whatever the situation is, like Kyrie could have a cold, be away from the team. He's not going to reveal that information to the media because he doesn't want to talk to them. So then they can just make up whatever they want. Everybody's going to run with it because it's fun to make fun of Kyrie Irving. Well, with him out, 6,800 Karis LeVert on FanDuel, 7,400 Karis LeVert on DraftKings. Pretty much the same as yesterday, only there happens to be five more games on the slate. He's the clear-cut, no doubt about it, top play of the day. Yeah, so yesterday, the only thing that held back Karis LeVert was, number one, that they blew out the Sixers, much to my chagrin. And he was also in a, he was inefficient, right? So he scored over 50 fantasy points yesterday, 37% usage rate, makes 9 of 25 shots. You could look at his box score yesterday, and you could say, you know what, he should have scored more fantasy points than what he did because his minutes were cut short because of the blowout. He couldn't make his shots, but he still ends up being the top play by like a pretty wide margin. I don't see anything that should be different about this slate. He's clearly one of the top plays. The only thing we have to consider is, will the Nets actually play tonight? Because they played the the Sixers last night. Seth Curry tested positive for COVID. So now the Sixers are all quarantining. And given how we've seen the NBA, you know, be pretty conservative with these sort of situations, it wouldn't shock me to see that they just say, you know, we're going to be safe and cancel the Nets game. Uh, but we should know this before the slate starts anyway. Yeah. So jamming your Karis LeVert should be one of the first things you do from a cash lineup perspective. Are you going to anybody else from Brooklyn? Uh, Jared Allen is at 10% ownership, TLC at 10%, Chris Chioza at the flat minimum on DraftKings at 10%, DeAndre Jordan on FanDuel at 3,900 is 13% owned. Um, I see a couple of these guys as viable filler, but uh, the only two guys that I would want to get with any sort of regularity would be LeVert and Allen don't necessarily think I need a lot of yesterday's hero, Joe Harris, who uh, really glad that I worked that uh, exposure back on live before lock when I was getting like 40%. That worked out perfectly. <laughs> um, so at first glance, I thought that I like right before the show, I was looking at Chris Chios. I was like, Oh, Chris Chios at min price. That, that makes sense. He only played 16 minutes yesterday. So maybe uh, a little bit less interest in Chris Chios than I thought I was going to other Nets guys. The, the center minutes yesterday, and it's hard to know, was this because it was a back-to-back situation? Was it because of the score of the game? Was it due to something else? Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan just split the minutes down the middle pretty much. They went Jared Allen in the first half played the first nine minutes of, of the game. Then didn't check back in until there was like three minutes left in the second half. So they just dead. They were just dead splitting the minutes between DeAndre Jordan and Jared Allen. That's yeah. a little bit of a concern for me. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that means that that's going to be the case all the time going forward, but it also means that I'm not going to like Jared Allen as much as the starting centers I thought I was going to. Really? You're cons- I mean, I gave him 29 minutes. 
they, they just went dead even with them yesterday. And Jared I, Allen played 28 minutes yesterday. DeAndre Jordan played 18. But that was only because of the blowout. So in the, fir- in the first half, it was 12-12. Yeah, and then he played 10 minutes to start the third quarter, like a normal rotation, and then closed, missed the final two minutes because of the blowout. I mean, he was on pace to play 30 minutes. Yeah, I I still think, though, that given how the minutes broke out, like I thought Jared Allen was going to play like 35 minutes or something like that yesterday. So I I, I don't feel as comfortable about his minutes as I I did before yesterday's slate. And also his price has gone up a little bit, and it's a back-to-back. Sure. Um. And look, this is another spot where having a physical center is a little bit more appealing. So I could see uh, DeAndre Jordan picking up at least a little bit of love. Joe Val kind of cut from the same mold as Embiid, uh, you know, you a bigger body. Jared Allen, a, a little bit more of a wisp. So keep your eye on it at, at the very least. On the Memphis side, uh, do we start with DeAnthony Melton shock on DraftKings? 3,400, 23% owned. I just assume that comes down. Yeah, so I mean, like DeAnthony Melton, just all thing. If, if you were just to look at his price point, I, I'd be like, yeah, DeAnthony Melton's fine. But then you consider the ownership. Like, I think it's reasonable to think DeAnthony Melton probably scores somewhere around twenty fantasy points tonight. Yep. But considering that the min, it's not like we we, we expect that DeAnthony Melton's going to play like twenty five minutes or thirty minutes or anything like that. He's going to play probably low twenties minutes unless unless there's a foul trouble situation or something changes. So, I, like John Moran is out, but it's not any different of a situation that it was yesterday. And, you know, Melton's fine, scores about a fantasy point per minute as a player. He played, uh, I think it was 21 minutes yesterday. Um, yeah, 21 minutes. So, yeah, points per dollar, I think he's okay. I don't really understand why the ownership is as high as it is, though. Blows my mind. 23% is insane. Unless somebody gets ruled out or something, there's no chance that I'm even going to a share of DeAnthony Melton at that ownership. On FanDuel, we've got Brandon Clark and Joe Vile around 14% owned. That's a little high to me, but like seems about right. Those are the guys that I'd have my eye on. I don't find Memphis all that interesting. I feel like they're really hard to sift through for their main five guys. Any Grizzlies for you? No, and here's the other thing also. So like Kyle Anderson, somebody who did play really well recently, but here's the DeAnthony Melton effect where it does matter. Kyle Anderson isn't playing just all the backup point guard minutes anymore. So when Tyus Jones came off the court, it was Kyle Anderson really running the offense for them before. Now they have DeAnthony Melton to number one, take some of the minutes away from him, And then number two to also take away some of the ball handling responsibility. So not quite as big of a role for Kyle Anderson. Also speaking of weird minutes yesterday, this also could have been a, a uh, because of the back to back where, um, and then to touch on the Jared Allen thing for one second, it's, it's not that I think that him and Jordan both play 24 minutes. It's just, I thought that Jared Allen was going to play like 35 minutes and that, and that Jordan would be much more reduced. And that just wasn't really the case yesterday, but then, Looking at the the Grizzlies minutes yesterday, they just played everybody and gave them all like 26 minutes. So that's yeah. a nightmare in itself also. Not great. Not great. By the way, uh, Carson Edwards, Grant Williams, Robert Williams, Tristan Thompson, all facing a minimum seven-day quarantine and potentially Joel Embiid as well. So Embiid, not all that important for right now, but it's looking like those Celtics guys are going to end up out. We've got to keep this one moving. Not a ton of time. We do have a couple of games that are not going to be all that interesting. So Jazz Bucks, Bucks are six-point favorites at home, 230 total. No one from Utah bigger than 8% owned on FanDuel, and I think that is exactly correct. On DraftKings, Mitchell, Gobert, and Conley, all just slightly north of 10%, and I think that's pretty much exactly where they should be. 
I rarely have a take on Utah. Unless somebody is out of their lineup, it's really hard for me to find value ever for the Jazz. Do you like anything from the Jazz? No. In the interest of saving time, I'm probably not going to roster anybody here, so there's no reason to talk too much about it. 11-2 for Giannis on FanDuel, 10-9 for Giannis on DraftKings. Are you paying up for the Greek Freak today? Yeah, so as everything stands now, he's actually my favorite player on the slate to pay up for. I I know that in theory, this matchup should be difficult, but there's a 231.5 point total. So we're expecting this game to be played at a pretty good pace. Talking about some of those high-priced options, we're comparing Giannis to James Harden, and then Russell Westbrook's up there. We assume that he's going to be out. LeBron James and Anthony Davis playing on the tail end of a back-to-back. Steph Curry is questionable. So I compare all these guys, and at the high end, Giannis is the one that I like the most. Yeah, um, I'm happy to get there. I do kind of have a lean towards Anthony Davis on Fandle, but I see them as really comparable. Uh, That extra $800 really matters. But I like the idea of going to Giannis. And if they're ever going to play Giannis, you know, 33, 34 minutes, you would expect that to happen in a game against Utah, another quality team. Anybody else from the Bucks that you have interest in? Because Chris Middleton's picking up 20% ownership on Fandle. Nobody else is in double digits on DraftKings. No, that's too high for, for Middleton, who's also not even that cheap. And we have other, you know, good good plays at um uh, although he's um Middleton's small forward now, not shooting guard. So that, that does change yeah. it a little bit. Um but yeah, still the ownership's a little bit too high for me. Um and the price at seventy four hundred, that's decent. The matchup against the Jazz isn't particularly great. I'd I'd rather get my exposure to Milwaukee three honest. Quick plug for the rest of the day coming up immediately after this 11 a.m. NFL strategy show. Lofty, the boss man, Alex Baker and Steve Buzzard, DeColt, uh, talking about some NFL for this weekend. The NBA Deeper Dive will be on at 445 today, 15 minutes early. Uh, the boss man back once again. He and Adam will break it all down. And then Spags and T. McBee, Terry McBride taking you all the way up to 7 o'clock lock. Three more to go. I think we've got plenty of time to get through this stuff. The Chicago Bulls. Nope. The Los Angeles Clippers at the Golden State Warriors. Uh, Clippers are four and a half point favorites in Golden State, 232 total. Should be full freight of everybody for the Clippers. For the Warriors side, Curry questionable and Damian Lee, I believe, questionable, both with ankle injuries. Uh, I've got Curry in for right now. I, I don't really know what else I could possibly do unless we get that news. Uh, the whole Golden State team will be bonkers if Curry gets ruled out. Let's start on the Clippers side where, I don't know, do you want any Paul George or Kawhi Leonard here? So with Paul George, he's gotten off to a good start of the season. He's just too expensive to me at this point. I have to look at his production from last year and what he generally did where he produced well, but the price tag is really at its ceiling. Now there's not a point where I see that Paul George is going to be like a 10,000 player with a bunch of options on the slate. He's somebody who's not going to make the cut for me as for, um, for Kawhi Leonard, not a whole lot of interest for me on DraftKings, but on FanDuel where the small forward options are a little bit more limited. I like Kawhi more because when you're comparing them to guys like Brandon Ingram, Jason Tatum, or in the same price range, that's where I think it makes more sense to get to Kawhi Leonard. Here's a off the beaten path one. Do you have any interest in Pat Beverly at 3,800 on FanDuel? Beverly's minutes up pretty significantly over the past few games. Uh, last game out, Beverly played 30, 32 and a half. The game before that, 27 and a half. The game previous to that, and then 28. So four straight games at 27 and a half or more. Does he become a mildly interesting value play to you against Golden State? Yeah, because the the price tag is wrong on FanDuel. So if we go back to last year, 
where we look at what his salary was generally when he was starting and everybody was healthy, he was priced in the, whole, the high 4,000 to low 5,000 range. So it's just kind of a weird price tag on Patrick Beverly, who's a, you know, a good player. We know that he's playing around 30 minutes as the starting point guard for the Clippers. I know that he isn't necessarily right, lighting the world on fire from a fantasy perspective to start the year, but I think we should expect that his production is going to end up being somewhere close to what it was last year. And if you look at some of the games where his minutes were a little bit down, he's gotten into foul trouble a bunch this year. He's had games with five fouls, four fouls, four fouls. So as long as that doesn't happen, which if Steph Curry's not going to play, like who's getting Patrick Beverly in foul trouble? If Steph Curry's not going to play, I don't know if Beverly's as necessary either. But if Curry is out there, I, I think you do see Beverly uh, for that full run. I don't have much to say for Golden State because it's all speculation. This entire thing can get thrown in the garbage. I don't really have much interest in anything from Golden State other than Draymond Green, who I think looks fantastic. 5,100 on FanDuel, 5,100 on DK, and now playing the normal minutes. If you get to Steph, also seems like a really fun time to get Steph coming off of the heater. If he's out, half of this team is going to look uh, pretty reasonable given their prices. But do you like anything with Golden State, assuming Steph Curry plays? Yeah, then it would be Curry and Draymond Green. Uh, You mentioned him before. I think that he's a really strong play. The price is really low, and the minutes don't really look like an issue anymore. If this is a competitive game, I fully expect that Draymond Green would just play normal big minutes. So I think think Draymond's a a good-looking play. As for Steph, I'm a little concerned he's listed as questionable just because after he got hurt the other day, they don't think it's a big deal to expect him to play on Friday. And then he came out listed as questionable, so... Does that mean his ankle swelled up? Does that mean they just listed him questionable as a formality? There's just not enough information there for me to really make an opinion at this at this time. Yeah. Uh, Josh, Greg, check breaking news. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, so there are all the Celtics guys are going to be in quarantine. But, so uh, Carson, Carson Edwards is available, and Jeff Green is not on the injury report. Good to know. So pretty much everything we said before then still holds. Two to go. Bulls and Lakers. Lakers, nine and a half point favorites at home against the Chicago Bulls, 229 total. On the Bulls side, Levine, White, Porter, all in the team, 10 to 15% ownership on FanDuel. No one north of 7% on DraftKings. And that 7% guy is actually Garrett Temple. So buckle up for that one. Uh, I really like Levine. I really like White on FanDuel. Probably have more than the field on both of those guys. I don't really need the Otto Porter experience as much any longer. Um, and then I'd be happy to get to Levine and White on DraftKings as well. I think they're both going a little over or underowned. Uh, how do you feel about Levine, White, Porter, anything for the Bulls today? Uh, let me just look at the latest ownership for Porter. Porter has been like ridiculous chalk. Basically every slate, a little more reasonable now at 17%. He's been like 25 to 30%, a bunch of other slates. So 17%, I think that's okay. Assuming he keeps starting, I'll probably be about neutral to the field on him. I've been overweight to Kobe White on almost every single bowl slate this year. I don't see a reason to jump off him. He's playing big minutes this year, big role, big usage. So I'm, I'm fine with him also. Uh, I think where it gets a little tricky in terms of lineup construction is on a 10-game slate, would I be willing to roster Levine and Kobe White together? And the answer is probably only in a lineup that has Anthony Davis or LeBron James. Speaking of Anthony Davis and LeBron James, how are you feeling about these guys? AD not picking up all that much ownership today. I would rather have AD than LeBron. Uh, I don't really need that 15% ownership on Dennis Schroeder either, but I would rank it AD, LeBron, and then Schroeder. I don't really have any interest in anything else from the Lakers. I don't really have any interest in 
any of them. Uh, I mean, yeah. as a whole, I just think the pricing is fair. They have such a deeper team this year, and they have guys. They added Montrezl Harrell. They added Dennis Schroeder. So as a result, they don't have to give Anthony Davis and LeBron James in competitive games. They don't have to play these guys 38 minutes in the regular season. They don't need these guys to pick up massive amounts of usage ratings because there's other guys who are also capable of scoring on the roster. So as a result, we've just seen a bunch of games where Anthony Davis and LeBron James score right around 50 fantasy points where it's like, oh, fine. He didn't kill me because I played him, but I didn't win a GPP because I played him either. So for the most part, I don't think any of them are, are like specifically great plays. All righty. Any final thoughts for Bulls Lakers? Nope. Final game, Raptors at the Sacramento Kings, five-point underdogs. The Sacramento Kings are at home, 226 total. On the Toronto side, Van Vliet, Lowry, Siakam, all about 15% owned on FanDuel, picking up a little bit of love on DraftKings as well. OG Ananobi is another guy that keeps popping up for me that I really need to have stop popping up for me, at least on from a DraftKings perspective. I don't find Toronto to be that interesting today or really any other day from a DFS perspective. Lowry, Siakam, Van Vliet, these are guys that just find their way into my lineups in the 5 to 10% range, but they're never just value plays, much like Utah, because they're always just sort of around where their price should be. Yeah, uh, I, I, there's nobody here that I'm going out of my way to target. The other thing also is I, I think we're going to end up with a bunch of value on this slate, and that's just going to squeeze a lot of the mid-range plays. So, like, early in the day, I could look and be like, oh, Siakam looks okay, Lowry looks okay. But I know by the time we get to lock on a 10-game slate like this, I'm going to end up going stars and scrubs. The only mid-range guy I'm really going to be targeting most likely is Karis LeVert. And then it's just yeah. going to be me going with a lot of cheap guys and then jamming, like, you, you know, like Giannis into a bunch of lineups with value plays. Sacramento, on the other hand, De'Aaron Fox, questionable. Rashawn Holmes, questionable. You made the assumption earlier that uh, De'Aaron Fox is not going to be playing. I did put, I did leave him in for right now. I don't really have a, a read on the situation. How are you approaching the Sacramento Kings today? Yeah, so, I mean, hamstring injuries, they could linger. So, I find, I've, unless this is just a total nothing, if he had just cramps last game or pretty significant, pretty, you know, something insignificant like that. How often do we see somebody pull a hamstring and then just come back to play the next game? Mm-hmm. And it's also something where if you bring him back too soon, he could end up re-injuring it. Last year, Mike Conley hurt his hamstring, sat out for two months, came back, hurt it the first game he came back. So I don't think it's all that likely that, that De'Aaron Fox plays. Assuming that's the case, Halliburton is going to be one of my most rostered players. Yeah, if, uh, if uh, Fox ends up in, I'm not really all that interested in anything coming out of Sacramento. If he's out going to love Halliburton, I think that might be the final opportunity for buddy heel to get a usage bump. His usage has been down like crazy this season. If Fox ends up off, it's possible we see buddy Heald like get himself going. I'll probably end up with some Corey Joseph at that point, which is really unfortunate. And if Holmes ends up out, uh, get ready because it might be a Hassan Whiteside day, which should just be a regular old blast. They shouldn't do that. They should go to just more Bagley at the five and Nemanja Bialica, but I assume that uh, Whiteside will get some run. Yeah, not that I think that Marvin Bagley the third is any good. Uh, Marvin Bagley the second. His father has also been very upset about his role on Twitter. He's been tweeting at the Kings asking for a trade. Uh, but yeah, it's if if Holmes is out, I think then then we have to consider Bagley, which I'm not really all that thrilled about because rostering Marvin Bagley has never gone well for me this season. Any final thoughts on this slate? Uh, no, I just that there's going to end up being a lot of value. That's always the case for 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 ten game slates. So keep up on the news. Follow our friend, the news god El Negro underscore or El Negro Loco underscore DFS on Twitter because he's the he's the best follow for all of that on on Twitter. 
Fantastic plug there. Guys, thank you for joining us. That is the end of the strategy show. Keep your eyes peeled. NFL strategy kicking off the moment we are done. Not the same link. It's not like that, but keep your eyes peeled for it. Good luck tonight. Keep an eye out for the deeper dive live before lock. And uh, we'll be back. I don't know. We have Saturday content tomorrow morning for NBA stuff. Later, everybody. Bye. (laughs) 